It's Thursday, June 7th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 407 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 55 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name is John. My name is Chad. And this is Brodor, the divider of people. All right, Brodor. You're married, Brodor. It's legit. Where should we start? We start with Butcher? Uh, No, no, no. You're going to divide people. We actually had a request from one of the rules designers of 5e. For a blowjob from Brodor? No, no, no. Well, Brodor offered one Monty Cook. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, I got an email from... I guess Bonnie Cook has Sean K. Now. Reynolds. Okay. Yes. The other other designer yeah. of three. And saying like Monty Cook wants to come on our show. So wants to come on our show. So, <laughs> so, so I'm just saying right now, Blodor. <laughs> I've never filleted a man. However, I might make the offer. Well, I've actually I've already made the offer to Monty. I might actually go through with it because he's a fucking genius. Okay. But you, know, you can't do that through Skype. <laughs> that's not what we're going to talk about. Thank you. God. A one of the designers for fifth edition heard you say that the honeymoon's over with fifth edition and they want to hear you do it. So, so, go. so what I'd said was, is that the shine is off the apple. Now, let me preface this by saying and, and disappointing many of you that I'm not about to take an enormous shit on fifth edition. However, it's a perfectly well-designed game. It's fun. It's simple, but there's just not enough there. I really think it boils down for me to a rules preference, right? I thought that I was really going to enjoy a fantasy Dungeons and Dragons game that had less rules, lower math, easier to play, not so many buffs, not so many complicated magic items. And I was wrong. I do not. There's just not enough. There's not enough crunch. There's just not enough meat in the edition for me. I find the monster manual in particular to be the most glaring example of this. The monsters are all relatively the same, in my opinion. You know, yes, they have different statistics, and yes, they might have a power that another monster does not have, but there's not enough there to distinguish them from one another. And before everybody starts sending in hate mail and and posting online about how that's my job as the game master, if you look at other editions of Dungeons and Dragons, say three, 3.5 Pathfinder, there's a lot of crunch and meat and powers that distinguish these creatures from one another that the work has already been done by a professional that's not me and that I don't have to do it. You know, I think I would push off the comment that that's on you as the game master for the simple reason you bought a book that presents the material. Right. Somebody else who is smarter and more creative than me has already done the work. Right. In fifth edition, there's just not that much work that has been done. And I'm not saying, by the way, that I agree with your point, but I am simply saying that I agree with your rejection of that one argument. Because if you go out and buy a book of monsters, then I think it is certainly part and parcel of the implicit, if not explicit, point of that product is that it's going to have you know, diversity of monsters. Right. My example from when I originally talked about this was I said, take the fifth edition Merilith. And take the 3.5 <laughs> Merilith, right? And first of all... What the hell the, is a Merilith? A demon that Brodor wants to 
make love to. She's <laughs> she's she's okay. From the waist up, she's this six-armed dervish of destruction with long swords and hoodies and just <laughs> magic coming out of her snake ass and her lower half is this enormous constricting snake. And she teleports at will and she has a million attacks and she'll crush you with her with her snake lower half and she can cast spells all day and she's smoking fucking hot, right? Wait, what, For our audience at home, Brodor's eyes are dilating, his cheeks are flush, <laughs> Chad's backing up. <laughs> but what the hell are you into? I don't actually want to have intercourse with the Merolith. However, <laughs> the Book of Vile Darkness Merolith is the hottest Merolith to ever be drawn. There's just one throwaway page where she's background art and hummada hummada. Anyway, I'm Googling this. So, I can find the picture Google. in my book of Vile Darkness. Snake checks. But my, <laughs> my, my point is, if you look at the 5th edition Merilith, she's got a lot of attacks. Eh, fine. Right? You look at the 3.5 Merilith, or the Pathfinder Merilith, and you're like, this this is a TPKer, right? I mean, this bitch came to the party to slay, right? And she's got all these peripheral powers that just are exciting and titillating, if you will. Yeah, but a Pathfinder party who's level enough to face her has 19 buffs on every single character, and they've reached parity with one another. It's just that there was a ton more math and pre-casting. The, the monster's more powerful because the monster's more complex, but the party is also more powerful because the party is more complex. <laughs> also, Everyone get on Wikipedia and behold the Merilith Brodor's object of lust. Wow. That is, that's not the right picture. That is, that is not in the spank bank. <laughs> Continue, bro. Well, there, uh, there is nipples on that, so... But, and, and John, you're absolutely right. The party is significantly more complex. Right. And honestly, that's another thing that I, that I just don't find as interesting about 5th edition. It is easier to manage, yes, but the options for your players are less as well. So there is, there's an equity I, there. I just don't game like this. Sure. <laughs> I mean, and I don't mean to sound like, oh, well, you're having bad, wrong fun in my way with the spirit. I mean, it's different. It's just different. But but here's but the I, thing. The problems and consternation you guys are talking about, it's like, man, this bothers me about this role play. This, and I'm like, I don't. What's this you guys? Under, well, well, these two guys. I'm, I'm, so I sit I, across from Dan, and Dan's <laughs> wearing a bright red Chad, shirt. nobody who's listened to two episodes of the show would expect you to keep up with the amount of right. buffs that get put on right. a sixth-level Pathfinder no, no, party. Right. If I play this kind of game, I... I hand my sheet to John and I'm like, John, do I have the appropriate amount of buffs to pass muster? Right. I guess. And, right. and we right. haven't done that in years because it's boring for both of us. Right. You're right. not balancing combats and not even really running them. We yeah. just go through the motions. You've made my point for me more succinctly than I could have. Sometimes You're welcome. I, sometimes <laughs> I want a game like that. Sometimes I want to play fate, right? Sometimes I want to play crunchy, meaty, get under the hood and add templates and class levels and death and destruction and magic items and complexity to my monsters. That's what I like in my D&D. And I don't have those options with 5th edition like I do with other editions mm -hmm. of Dungeons and Dragons. And that's, for me, why the shine is off the apple. I have found playing 5th edition and 
don't get me wrong, there's a lot of 5th edition that I like, but it doesn't have the elements that I really, really like, Did like you... 3.5 and Path. So what, now I'm, I'm just trying to understand it. So you're saying that 5th edition has like less buttons and less levers, less Ex- knobs. Exactly. It is, and... it is a more streamlined, but it's not... simpler game to play for both player and game master. But it's, but it's not as simple and streamlined as like, say, 4th edition, where you just like had four buttons and you pressed them like in an MMO. No, It's I, more I, complex than that. I, I think it's more okay. complex than that, but not certainly mm-hmm. complex compared to, say, a 3-5 or a Pathfinder. Absolutely. Okay. I, I feel you. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that complexity, sure. and I didn't realize how much I like that complexity and how much I missed it until I was playing 5th edition. 5th <laughs> edition has hit a sweet spot for me because I think it is what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that had more complexity, more encouragement to think about the character, the character's background, the the character's life, you know, it really encouraged role playing in ways. And this is where I'll get the hate mail for the fourth edition. I just don't feel did. But you could just role play anytime you want. Yeah. yeah well, that's not <laughs> fourth edition about. was a turd. But I enjoyed the one game I played of it. But I, wouldn't I really good. found that 3.x, especially as you started stacking the books on, just got to be too much. Well, now me. there's that's a whole different conversation. And, well, and that was the way that I always ran 3.x was there were only four books at the table, player's handbook, DMG, base monster manual, and possibly the fourth would be the single setting book. Like the Forgotten Realms had a really good 3.x setting book. Or like a box set of a setting. Exactly, exactly. But the splat books and whatnot, I made one terrible mistake with Sword and Fist. And after that, never again. But (laughs) I thought 5th edition hit a really good... Hashtag never sword and fist. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not at the same time. (laughs) But I I thought that... Fifth edition really hit a sweet spot. I was looking for in D anD. d See, I for me, I think that just. But I'm also not into six armed snakes <laughs> that are let going me, to me, constrict me to death. And, let me let me oh, talk out of the other side of my oh, mouth. The death. So I I agree with choking. You. Isn't this how David Carradine died? Yes. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, oh my god! It was on this last season of Peaky Blinders too. <laughs> David Carradine was no, no auto erotic as well. Not oh, auto. Yeah, yeah. Aggressively uh, erotic I love Pinky Blinders. I, what, I wear my knit cap when I watch it. Oh my god! I, I'm about to divulge too much information, but <laughs> I agree with you. Pathfinder Three X; those games can get entirely too complicated. I still contend that if you go to 3.5, you've got your DMG, your Monster Manual, and your PHB. You've got a game that you can play forever, and it's brilliant, and I love it. Right. right? I'd rather play base Pathfinder, but I broadly agree with what you just. I mean, said. The, yeah, basically. run it out of the core books. Well, yeah, I tamp down I, on the splat. I want to, but yeah, I want to play base Pathfinder because I want my players and my monsters to get their feet every other level, not every third level. Oh. And I want to get that Merilith Black Guard. Wait, wait. So, oh. so wait. I just want the more fleshed out class abilities. So there's a couple hybrids in three five. So the really rules special. stop you from doing this. How do the rules stop you from giving the feet every third level or every other well, level? They, they, they don't pull a gun on you. They, they the do, di- designers don't show up at your house. They, with a baseball they, bat. they do not. However, I'm going to say that in a role playing game, you're free to do whatever you want. You're only limited what? by your imagination. So, it, but if you look at three, if you look at three five versus Pathfinder, there are some significant mechanical mm-hmm. differences, particularly yeah, in power level, mm-hmm. both the players and for the monsters. Right, right. Well, and, and it's like we said earlier, you know, you, you buy a system, right. you want the majority of the package to be worth the money you pay. Right. 
So right. and there is a do it yourself role playing sure. game. It's a mead notebook. Right. They sell right. for about seventy nine cents. See, this at is why my this is why my role playing games that I write are free. So nobody can use this argument against me. <laughs> nobody can say, I didn't get my money's worth out of this. I'm like, yeah, you're well, right. I think you I think, I think that I think you get your money's worth out of fifth edition. Absolutely. Sure. It's a perfectly good game. Oh, yeah. I have just learned over time that you know what this is fun but it's not the game that i'm going to necessarily gravitate to in the future Mm -hmm. i want something i want more right i want the big crunch i want those big epic over the top battles where my wizard can be flying and greater invisible and he can have he can have rules stack after stack after stack (laughs) why why don't you just say he's flying He's got to cast a spell to fly. Why don't you just say he casts a spell and is flying? <laughs> Let's not go down this rabbit hole. It's a role-playing game. You're only limited by your imagination. I say, you know what I'm hearing here is you want a wizard who's flying and invisible and like a magic Pegasus thingy. And I'm starting <laughs> and to think... we're playing cyberpunk. I mean, come on, Brodor. Well, I'm starting to think what he's after is not a role-playing game. It's a stamp book. <laughs> or want, it's want, a baggie like, of, of cats. Big eye kitties with the rainbow and he puts all his little stickers I've in there already, no no i'm talking about the kind of stand oh, yeah, 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 yeah. i've already about. told my best ass story on the mics that's how innocent i am yeah i'm yeah. thinking what broder wants is a bunch of mushroom you know i went to no, colorado but, and i walked it, right by all the pot it, shops i didn't go in a single one. i drive past it, those dispensaries and i'm out in there fifth every edition time I'm for, for in fifth edition for example the spells that have concentration have the you know concentration icon the c you can only have one concentration spell at a time and Thanks, some please. of the best most powerful epic spells that you would stack on one another in a 3.x game you cannot do that because they all have concentration and you can only have one concentration spell at a time yes because balancing you, you for can, a party that will or will not have 19 have buffs yes because it's impossible the, the gun and the, a the game will falls pull apart. A gun oh, on yes. Yeah. oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Know. Why do you think Vince wanted to hear this topic? Yeah. I, he already asked for Brodor's address. Right, right. right. Yeah, it's the, one, Chad, the problem five, with your rebuttal is that it could shut down every discussion about every rules for right. every game ever played. We have to it's engage the rules thing. on their own terms at least yeah. a little bit, or at least allow other people to do so. I, well, sure. So you yeah. invent magic items. For example, this one cabal of wizards in my game, they have special unique magic items mm-hmm. that will hold a concentrated spell for them. So it essentially allows them yes. to have a second spell. And if you go full balls Pathfinder, you, you just know, make I, a bunch of wands and scrolls it, to do that for everything you could ever want it, to do. Right. And really, you know, on John's point about, you know, you can use the argument and can say role play. Yeah, absolutely you can. You know, and I'm, I'm really just busting Brodor's balls about this oh it's all my actual for real not i'm not joking around view of it is if you buy a role-playing game it's a big old tome it's very complex very crunchy and it, it's not doing a couple of things you don't like oh yeah house rule change it you know make it work for you and your players that's cool but if it's not working page after page if you if you have to change all of this stuff if all it's right. constantly frustrating you in different ways that's where the problem it's comes no in. different it's, you can't change that. it's yeah, no you different get a new book than a car get, right a car hits a point where it would be cheaper and easier to buy a new car yeah. than to keep mm-hmm. patching together exactly. Exactly. a clunker that won't pass inspection and mm-hmm. this goes bad and that goes bad and the other goes bad. And a role-playing game is no different. Yeah. I think with any role-playing game, mm-hmm. you got to go in there and make it yours a little bit. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, if you really are just having to change, like you said, it, page after page after page and after you page, know what? it's no the, different than the clunker. You're, you are way, way more conservative in that view than Gary Gygax was. 
Oh, I know. Gary Gygax, his thing was buy a role-playing game, buy D&D when I ran the company or his other game, you know, he had to do some self-promotion, he had to put food on the table. But he's like, buy a role-playing game, play it, and then you learn how to role-play. And then you start changing things about the role-playing game, the rules. Until not, you diverge so far, you make your own you game. You make your own game. Because to him, every group was unique. Every group was different. Every game master was different. So you had to make a unique system for your group. And he's like, if it's good enough, then publish it. And then he also further advised if it to promote it, start a convention and, <laughs> and write articles in, in magazines to promote the convention to promote your thing. But that was like a different generation. It was a very, so. very different time for role-playing games. Right. So, all right, moving away from D&D 5e. Today, we are going to talk about sound, sound in a role-playing yes. game. Now, this is a topic that we have dealt but with. But no one on the forums will talk about sound. No. They will only talk about what it sounds like when a Merilith comes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have that running through my head all the time. And I don't want to know. I have no idea. And this is You a, have to admit, there's a, there's a <laughs> small, tiny part. Of you. Nope. That wants to know. That just <laughs> snap shut. Frodo, since this garbage all started and I've been looking for this photo on my phone, I learned that uh, the first fiend of fire in the original Final Fantasy game was a repurposed Merilith. Did you know that? I did not. Whip out your NES and then whip out your other thing and get <laughs> to that second joy? dungeon. Uh, right. So, sound in a role-playing game. This, this is a topic we that did. you all are going to forget. This, this is, is cool. Yeah, but we did this topic years ago, mm -hmm. but we've got some new things we want to talk about including some new resources yes. and there's two things we want to talk about broadly speaking this is how we're going to subdivide the topic one is music and the other is sound effects and i act and not like bleeps and bloops either on sound well maybe maybe, well, maybe yeah. all right and i'm actually want to start with sound effects because chad you mm -hmm. just introduced me yes i just completely redesigned how you run star trek i, I don't know i, I gotta <laughs> digest this one a bit but you introduced Dude, me to a website called mynoise.net. Yes. And we'll put the link to this in the show notes, but that's what it is, mynoise.net. I like this site so much. Here's my official product endorsement. Uh, I don't know. This guy doesn't pay me. That in fact, you nice. paid him. In fact, in fact, I paid him. <laughs> I gave him $5. Yeah. I donated $5 to his website because I like the site so much, and I use it every single game I run. Since I found the site. So the way it works is it has a listing of several dozen setups, mm. like a haunted forest. It has a battlefield. It has a it has, starship. It has a babbling brook. It has rain. It has it, a computer data center. It has bagpipes. <laughs> it does have bagpipes. Well, I mean, but what you can what do... Dies. What? <laughs> you need somebody playing Amazing Grace. Oh my god. Now I know what to do when one of the characters dies. <laughs> yes. But here's the way it works, is what you do is this is not a sound effect in the sense of it's like somebody gets shot and you click a button on your soundboard bang. and your computer goes bang. Uh, yeah. The what it does is it actually creates mood or ambience because you go within this list and let's go ahead and let's take like a forest at night yep. and you pick it and it will give you about a dozen sliders that represent the frequency and volume of different noises so you can get the feel that you want. So there might be one for like an owl. There might be one for the croaking of frogs. There might be one for the rustling of leaves. 
there might be one for footsteps in the distance. Yep. And you can set these up and down to, once again, control their volume, well, their frequency. There's a battlefield yep. one. And in the battlefield one, you can have cannons, you can have gunfire, well, you can have swords clanging. I have to correct you, though. Okay. The sliders do not control the volume. The volume doesn't change when you do the slider. What it is doing, it is adding intensity to what you are hearing. So let me give you an example of how I use this in a game, right? So we're playing Blades in the Dark, blah, blah, blah. We've talked Spot about died. it. Spot died, yeah. A bagpipes play. So we're playing Blades in the Dark, and Blades in the Dark takes place in the city, and it's like steampunk, clockwork punk right, right, sort of right. thing, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they're gang members, and it's in a city, and they are fighting over gang turf. Well, something happened in the game, and the gang war that was kind of simmering in a cold war exploded into the street and what happened was the player's fault 100 percent the player's fault actually dawn's fault <laughs> but that's beside the point she screwed up so bad that she caused this gigantic gang war to erupt in the streets and on the roofs and got the cops involved in it to where the cops were killing everybody who was involved in the gang fight i mean it was that bad and so what you can do, like, so so the play of the strays are in the streets, right? And they're like, okay, well, we have to get across town because we're trying to lay low. We have to get to our territory because the fighting is going to sweep into our territory. And so you have an escape clock, right? So you've got a clock right. and things that they're trying to accomplish yep. to escape the battle and they're filling in the clock. Yep. Wow. So they can get to their territory and defend their territory. And that's a whole nother story I can go on for an hour, but it's really right, awesome. Right. Anyway, so what I did is I started the battlefield, the, the battlefield sound effects. And what it's doing is that just baseline, it's doing clanging, it's doing rah, rah, sort of stuff. And it's doing like sword clashing. And there's even uh, cannon thunder in the background, like boom, boom, every once in a while. And there's even bagpipes playing and stuff. And so there's these sliders. Now, each slider on this page of the battlefield page is a category. So this is a gang fight. There aren't cannons going here. So I take the cannons and I turn them all the way to the bottom, which means there's no cannons firing in the sound effect. There's no bagpipes either. As cool as it is, and I actually turned them on a couple of times to get a giggle out of people, I turn the bagpipes off too. There is a slider, and this is where I, I, I'm going to display that like it's about intensity and not volume. There's a slider called like duel or something or cross swords or something like that. And, you know, there's like fighting and clanging, fighting, clanging. But this is the real close to the microphone. Clang, clang, huh, ah, clang, ah, uh, sort of sound effects, right? Well, this is like intense in your face street fighting that they're going through. I turn that one up. It does not increase. It isn't like, uh, 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 and I turn it off like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, like this. It It's more like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. But I turn it up, ah, 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 and it's it's more it's intense. More, it's right. more. It sounds like Broder when he's reading the Book of Valdar. Right, exactly. <laughs> as oh as God, each page turns, it, it, oh. so it, it's it's more intense. Some of the some of the stuff I turned out, like a uh, gunfire, they were using guns, but it's not like rows of ranks of gunfire. Right. and so I turn that well, down a little. One of the problems that I have had with the idea well, and, of. Real quick, I'm going okay. to totally interrupt you here. And one of the things I did to kind of go off this that was really, really cool is that as the strays moved closer to the intensity of the combat, I took the volume and I turned the volume up. And as they did things to go away from the combat, like in-game, okay, well, we're going to try to escape the combat. We're going to go down to a quiet play. We're going to go through these alleyways. 
as they progressed, I turned the volume down. Yeah. So it sounded like it was further away. There are two big issues I've had with sound effects in the past. Issue one is it can become just as bad as the GM's massive notebook. Mm -hmm. Except instead of let me find that NPC, it's let me find that sound effect. You cue it up. The computer speakers don't quite work right. Mm -hmm. After 15 abortive attempts, you eventually finally get the sound effect you want. Mm -hmm. And it really never had the impact you wanted it to anyway. You're playing it over a laptop, the crappy laptop speakers. The second problem is I think it can also take on the issue that visual aids can take on, which is people become so aware of the detail Mm -hmm. of the visual aid that they stop looking at the general feel or the general idea you're trying to convey and become fixated on this one guy in the corner that has a funny expression on his face. Or they stop listening to you and your fellow players because you gave them something to look at. Exactly. I think I've said this on the show before, but in trial practice in law school, we got points for handing the jury a visual before the other side started talking because it so reliably (laughs) tanks their auditory capacity. Anyway, Dan, continue. I agree with you completely. But the other issue that I've had with them is just that. They become predictable. Yeah. You start to hear certain noises over and over again. You can count the number of Mm -hmm. seconds until one dog bark, two dog bark, here's the bird chirp. One dog bark, two dog bark, here's the bird chirp. Mm -hmm. And having something that you can take and customize to the moment. And it's randomized Mm -hmm. and it's highly customizable. And it creates ambience. It doesn't it, create. It's designed it's not, to create it. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's so not, you don't have the dog bark in the background every four seconds. Right. That isn't in there. And it's also not a hit and disappear like right. the one dog bark you click and then you move on with the game mm-hmm. after making everybody wait 10 minutes <laughs> for something that was totally not worth the payoff. But, you know, with this site instead, what you can do is you can create a sort of ambience that I think could be mm-hmm. a great tool to the game assuming you don't let it overstay its welcome. And there is a truth about movies that I was told years ago by a guy that we used to be friends with who was really, really big in movie making, which is he made the point that in movies, it is almost never silent, that Mm. there's some kind of sound effect in the background, there's some kind of music that's being played. He told me that one of the tricks they were using, at least at the time, I don't know if this is still the case or not, because obviously sound engineering has changed over the decades. But at least at the time was he said when there's actually no noise occurring, there is a noise occurring. They're playing a really low frequency hum Mm -hmm. so that you don't notice any degree of silence. And I don't know if they still do this or not, but this is what he told me was standard practice at the time. And I think that's the best use of this kind of ambiance is if you can play it and the players after a few moments, don't notice it anymore. Mm -hmm. The same way that if you're watching a Star Trek movie, you know when they're on the bridge and you hear the consoles beeping and you hear the kind of low hum of the engines, it's a noise that you know is there. Right. And maybe when they first switch scenes to them being back on the Enterprise, you hear it. But after a scene's been going for three, five minutes, you don't notice it anymore. Right. You you completely just accepted it as part of the immersion. Mm -hmm. And... Chad, I did want to say that by the inclusion of the bagpipes, um, <laughs> all the sound effects sites I have ever seen, this one was the most human. Human. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, <laughs> anyway, 
going off what you said though about like it not being too distracting that was something that i had to learn when i was using it is that if the volume is too high and your players are talking over it well that's a problem that's a very practical immediate problem right there which could be fun for an rp moment right like you're in a nightclub and you have to shout over yeah. all the other insanity yeah for three minutes of rp that could be funny right for three hours for three hours no. not so much which and, is why going to a nightclub is hell on earth that and, completely right yeah I've had fun. it's also why my party drug is valium <laughs> you are the worst party drug selector in the history of pharmacy i know Anyway, Chad. Anyway, that's one of the things that you have to really consider here is, are you going to go into a scene that's going to last an hour or two hours? Like, let's say this battle scene where where the whole neighborhood is erupting in, in violence and chaos. Okay, so we turn on the battle thing, right? And it's going and we kind of edge it up and it's more intense. And as it go, we're going to edge it down. I had to consider how long are my players going to be dealing with this situation? Because if they're going to be dealing with this situation for three hours, four, I mean, we game eight hours. And so are we going to be, am I going to have this running for most of it to the point to where it's not going to mean anything to them anymore? It's just going to be noise that's buzzing around in the background. So I, I keep the volume very low and I had to learn that on one hand, it's really good to use this site. Okay. There's a battle. Okay. I'm doing the battle thing. I'm coming up. The, the volume i'm lowering and raising intensities i'm talking through the scene i'm interacting with them and then the battle's over and then it goes away and there's like a push and a pull and a flow to it but i also found that you could do the star trek thing too where you're on the ship so to speak and there's the hum right in blades in the dark it's a very industrial setting and it's a very steampunky setting and it's a very clockwork punk setting and stuff so there's always like stuff going on in this dark grimy city so I actually have two tabs open and when they're when they're doing things in the street that isn't violence, right? They're kind of going from place to place, they're investigating. I have two tabs open. One of them is an industrial tab. All of this is the sound website. One of them is an industrial tab. One of them is a clocks tab. And by clocks I mean tick 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 and sort of thing and all the sliders are like bells and chimes and more ticking and less intense ticking. And I have the the intensity of the ticking down pretty low and I have the bells off, but I have that running while the industrial one is running. The strays are outside. They're going from place to place. They're outside. Is going on. It's industrial machinery sound. Steam sort of going on. Not repetitive because again, it's not playing this loop over and over and over again. It's more of a soundscape that's making. And I have the the volume down real low to where it's more subconscious after a while. And then so I have these two playing at the same time. And then the strays go inside of a house. Maybe they found the clue and they're going to question an NPC. They go inside the house and then I say, okay, and the door closes. And then as soon as they get in the house, I mute the volume on the industrial one. So the only thing that's playing is the tick, 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 tick of the clock, which you would hear in a house. Now, the clock is always going anyway in the background, but it's blended into the industrial one. So it flows from right. one scape to another. And that's something that I think, and this is going to hold true in music as well, is one of the decisions that you have to make up front. Is this something you want them to even be aware of? Mm -hmm. Going back to what I was saying about movies, the point of those sound effects is to immerse the audience at a subconscious level. 
It's not for them to be aware of it. When they're on the bridge of the Enterprise, you want them to feel like they're seeing the bridge of the Enterprise. Right. But you want them to be listening to the dialogue of the actors. You don't want them to be paying attention to the details yeah. of the background noise. All Conversely, about- there are some sound effects that you might want them yeah. to notice. The, the spooky forest or whatever. If you're trying to have a comedy scene where you want them shouting over a noise. you know. But it, this is something that you want to put in the forefront. I had them going through what was essentially a haunted neighborhood. It was a quarantined off neighborhood that a plague had ripped through and again when you die three days later your ghost comes out right. and haunt it's really horrible and they're, they're very dangerous and stuff well, they quarantined this neighborhood because a plague had ripped through it they couldn't dispose of the bodies so the entire neighborhood was haunted and it was a really really horrible place well strays of course had to go in there and so oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah i mean it's just not gonna sit there and you know rob itself so they go in and the sound effects i had were like a lot of the haunted house type ones. Very low, very sort of subsonic, very like shuffling, and then like lots of silence, and then a box getting moved, and then lots of silence, and maybe like a chain or something. And it again, very, very low. And we're role playing and we're doing stuff, and everybody's like, God, this is spooning out. It's like, oh, we're gonna get jumped any minute. And Beth, after about an hour turns around and is like this is some really creepy for laugh for lack of a better word that she had music that you're playing this is really creeping me out it wasn't annoying her it wasn't bothering her because it was so low yeah and so subconscious it starts to affect you i mean look my personal favorite composer frederick chopin Mm. uh he based a lot of his music off of the falling of rain he spent a period i cannot remember where i want to say it was actually somewhere around the french spanish border if i mm-hmm. remember right I, and i could i'm probably off my place out looking this up but he spent a period there and apparently while he was there supposed to be recovering it rather persistently rained mm-hmm. and that sound of that constant dripping on the roof actually started to get into his head enough that it inspired him to create a whole set of music that came to be known as his rainy period mm-hmm. because you can hear it in all of the songs. And if I remember, I'll link one of them in the show notes, but you can hear in the piano that he's playing and he played a very ornamental style of piano, but there's always this one or two keys. He's just hitting in constant, almost percussive rhythm against the rest of the melody that's being played. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that that noise just it got into him. You know, it was yeah. affecting him maybe too much because I had a serious <laughs> depression and other issues. But the other thing that I was thinking about with this is there are some noises that you become so accustomed to hearing mm-hmm. that not only do you stop hearing them, but you notice when they're gone. Yeah. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night because of a power outage? Because, oh, and everything is silent because suddenly. The ceiling fan stops humming and the refrigerator stops humming. And if you have like a clock in the room that's physical, but is plugged in might be ticking or something like that. But there is some noise to the house you're used to and the power dies. I've never considered that, but I totally have. Yes. (laughs) Despite the fact that noise stopped and nothing startled me at all. I have woken up because the power. Yeah, I'm not talking about lightning striking the house. I'm talking the power goes out for reasons that are in no way apparent to me. 
And all of a sudden, bam, I am awake and paying attention because of not a noise starting, but a noise stopping. Do you know what my favorite kind of silence is? Snowfall. Oh, yes. Because snowfall, you go out like you're a kid and it's school's been canceled. Nobody's on the road because none of the roads have been plowed. There are no sounds of anyone outside because you're the only idiot who's outside in the middle of the snowstorm, in the freezing cold, in the morning, because you had to get out there and start playing in the snow. And there's no traffic sounds. There's no airplane sounds because they're diverting around the storm. There's no cars because nobody's going into work that day. No bugs, no birds, no bugs. No frogs. All the animals are lying low. There's no dogs because all the dogs are inside cowering from the cold. And there's just... There is a sound. It's the sound of the snow falling through the air and hitting the ground. This gentle, muffled. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to breathe. I don't want my heart to beat because it. I can hear it. Yeah. I can hear the blood going through my body. Yeah. It's so still the, and quiet. The real ultimate extreme of that that I've ever experienced is Missouri is the second largest concentration of caves in the world, second only to Tennessee, at least as far as I understand it. But there are a lot of caves in the state. And we've talked about this in prior episodes about how you can drive down the highway and where they've blasted through the rock. You can see cave entrances and stuff. But one of the more popular caves within Missouri area is Merrimack Caverns, which prior to some fear of the cons, we've taken some tourist groups to. And they actually don't know where the cave ends. They've mapped it back about 20 miles and still have not found the end of it. And there's, you know, it's obviously well under the earth. It's made out of mostly dolomite, which is a very, very, very terrible movie. From the <laughs> yes, but a very strong rock. It's, it's <laughs> don't f- with my pimp cane. <laughs> it's dolomite, dolomite. But it, it's it's a really strong rock, and they do something on the tours where they kill all of the lights, and the darkness is so complete. I mean, it mm. is so completely black. This is not something you can accomplish in your bedroom. No matter where you go, there's always going to be some tiny amount of light pollution. This is just such complete blackness that you would not believe how vivid it is. Mm-hmm. How much you start seeing, like in terms of just little flashes your in brain your own fills eyes. It in. It's what they call cave black. And, yeah. well, and it's the same thing with the noise. It is so silent that your ears begin to painfully ring. Mm-hmm. Like it actually can start to hurt depending on you are and how long they let it go and such because your ears begin to ring from the total silence of it and the point is that this is the type of stuff that totally creates a mood Mm -hmm. you know we're so used to all these noises that there's a way to use them that doesn't have to be intrusive yet can totally capture an emotion with very minimal effort now let's move past this let's talk about music i think the first thing i have to get off my chest is the fact that i am so glad it is Mm -hmm. no longer the 1990s (laughs) <laughs> For one major reason in role-playing games, if no other, which is it used to be that every f***ing World of Darkness game you participated in was set to the Interview with a Vampire soundtrack, Sans the Guns N' Roses track at the very end, set on loop or shuffle. And that was the soundtrack to every World of Darkness game that I sat in with some asshole with their CD player <laughs> and Interview with a Vampire on either shuffle or repeat. I thought 
thought it was Nine Inch Nails. Like, I thought it was yeah. that. Yeah, the groups that, I wrote. I, mean, don't yeah. know. I did get some of that yeah. stuff like Nine Inch Nails. Or, the Crow soundtrack. Oh, the well, now, no, that's that's good stuff. Or a lot of Crow soundtracks. Or, or bands that are similar to that, like Poe yeah. or maybe Garbage or something like that. I have had real trouble with music mm-hmm. in a role-playing game, and here's why. First of all, the music came from somewhere, usually somewhere recognizable. And oftentimes that is distracting to the players. Second point, which is an interview that was done on NPR with the composer that did the soundtrack for the video game Epic Mickey. And he was talking about how composing for video games became to be taken as a more serious art form. But the interviewer asked him, what are the differences between, say, doing a movie or television soundtrack and a video game one? And he made the point. We have no foreknowledge and no control over the ebb and flow of the action. Mm. We don't know that this is building up and building up and building up to where the good guy finally beheads the bad guy. We have no idea what is going on. We have no idea how many times you will hear the song. You may hear it for two minutes. You may hear it for 20 hours, depending on what you're doing in the game. And that's problem number two is what you're playing is not going to line up to what's going on. Problem three I've had is sound effects have a pretty universal meaning. Gunfire is gunfire, and we all know what it means. But if I put on a song that evokes a particular emotion in me, that does not mean it's going to evoke the same emotion in any of you. In fact, you may not even like the song at all. Once again, gunfire is gunfire. Assuming you don't have PTSD surrounding gunfire, your reaction is going to be fairly predictable. You know what it means. You know what it represents. We know, at least broadly speaking, the range of emotions it's supposed to evoke. One of the times I fell flat on my freaking face with this was years and years and years ago, I was running a Battletech game where the group took a mission undercover on Slayer 7, which for anyone who doesn't know Battletech, Slayer 7 is like an arena world where basically it's gladiatorial blood sport, except done with the battle mechs. People go there and destroy each other's mechs and kill yeah, each other and destroying a hundred million dollar mech yeah. <laughs> for public entertainment and hour after hour after hours, just great economic well, sense. And they do a lot to talk about the amount of like underworld crime and, right. and intrigue and stuff that's going on in the world. I think it is one of the most underutilized role-playing settings, not battle mech fighting settings, but role-playing settings in the Battletech universe. But anyway, that aside, because of the fact that it's spectacle, I wanted to set it up to where when the fight started, it was going to kick off with this big rock song that was going to basically be kind of like the arena walk-on and song. And chose Barbara Streisand. No, it wasn't oh. that. <laughs> but it's just the song I picked, apparently nobody at the table but me was really all that into. And because it wasn't the interview with the vampire sound. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am so glad that when that all hit and you guys were in your 22 year olds in black trench coat phase, I was 12 playing second edition, happy as a pig and crap, <laughs> by the way, continue. But I think that's the third issue that I've had with music. Now, I don't think music is therefore automatically bad. I think you can put on the right soundtrack the right way in the background. And I've had this work successfully where I played in a sci-fi game and somebody puts on a mega mix of Star Trek songs or Star Wars songs. By the way, do yourself a favor and don't include the Imperial March because that's always distracting. 
Unless Vader is Unless Vader is out. walking on, yeah, in which I case, mean, yes. Yeah, if, if that's Vader's walk-on song, then go ahead yeah, and roll it. Yeah, even if he's sneaking up and the players yeah. don't know, play it anyway. But you know what? <laughs> You're going to have real trouble competing with John Williams. I'm just right. telling you right now. But I have played in games where it has worked. They have been few and far between, in my mind. I think it tends to be distracting, too disastrous, somewhere along that gradation, at best. Well, it, oh, go ahead. It's it's generally repetitive and uninteresting. And no one's, in my experience, no one's catalog is deep enough that there's enough variety that it's that it's worthwhile. That you it's worth might be able. I don't know if it's still around. If it is, I'll link at the show. It's we a lot of links to this show. But Rivendell Radio is it's a streaming station online that's designed for that. It's all fantasy themed music. So if you're running a fantasy game, you can just put on Rivendell Radio and go with it. Brodor, I could run an entire campaign to Bob Seger's discography. In fact, I will. <laughs> okay, Bob Seger aside, who I've seen in concert twice. Oh my god, so good. So here's how I do it. Because I run music almost every game I run now. Well, at least in this Blades in the Dark game. So first off, music with words are right out. Just yep. don't even put them in there. Except I use music with words. I use music for words for intros and outros. So everybody is sitting around. We're all talking about what we did over the week and how work sucks and how blah, blah, blah. We're talking about everything except the game. And then I play something like Red Right Hand. Or I start playing Oh Death from the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. I love that soundtrack. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But, I'll run uh, an entire campaign with that soundtrack, Brodor. You watched it. <laughs> In case anyone wants to know, I don't remember exactly what song it was, but the song that I played on the Slayer 7 game was a track off of Deep Purple's The Battle Rages On. So what you're doing is I press play on say something like Red Right Hand. Red Right Hand, I mean, that grabs you immediately it's why it's used in a whole lot of tv shows as openers and stuff because it's just like it it gotcha and it also kind of fits with the theme of the game and such started out on low everybody's blah 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 and then you start slowly turning the music <laughs> up so it's like the reverse of the shut up at the oscars music right so so everybody <laughs> it's like you're playing yourself on yeah so what you're doing is you will always have people talking unless you have a table full of chris who's like okay we're here to game let's go roll dice go i love you chris <laughs> which i you know i respect that as a game master believe me it's a lot of hurting kittens what you're doing is you are programming your players you are using psychology to program your players you are training them to understand that when the music starts the game is on and so maybe the first couple of times you do it, they're not going to get it. But if you just play some music, even if it's the same song, Red Right Hand is great, play the song and then slowly turn it up and then you start talking. So last week, who remembers what happened? And as you start saying that, you slowly turn it down until it this is the key. It goes away because you can't run the game when you have song with words in it. Yeah, because people can't process you talking and the guy. Talking. I think something else you got to watch out for is people just plain don't like the music. There have been. Oh, shit. It's not. It's an intro. What, what, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't mean for the intro. Yeah, I, I don't mean for the intro. As an example, my current car stereo does not have any form of audio pickup. 
There's no aux in port. There's no Bluetooth. There's no USB. There's nothing. So I'm stuck with the radio. And I mean, it does have like a six CD changer, but eventually burner sells out on those six CDs and whatever. It's, I'm stuck with the radio. I miss the multiple CD platter pizza tray thing, despite its total obsolescence. Oh, yes, absolutely. This one didn't have that giant platter. It just flips them internally. But point being, I have a tape deck in my truck there, and I oh, have a cartridge man. that plugs into my phone. There's a point where I can zone out enough on the road because I'm daydreaming. I'm thinking about other things. I'm smoking a massive J. You're drunk on Valium and vodka. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And driving. And a Valentini. <laughs> but speaking of which, you know what? We're going to save this for a negative episode. I, I've oh. got another. So, but anyways, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not done talking about music. I'm Damn just it. I'm not going to talk about robo tripping. <laughs> That's we're saving that for a negative episode. But there comes a point where a song comes on that is so terrible to right. me. Right. It gets my attention that I'm like, this song rocks by song two through four. I'm zoned out. I don't even notice. And then song five comes on. And I'm like, what the f- is this? And I'm going for the buttons as fast. Right. It is Par- distractingly bad. Paradise by the dashboard lights comes out. And I'm like just <laughs> frantically trying to find a gun to eat. I listened <laughs> to the whole thing, including the baseball announcement. Oh, God. The baseball part's terrible. But, I, seriously, I hate that song more than just about right anything. Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, whatever. Anyway. So, but the point being that yeah. I, when you're playing music in the background, even if it doesn't have words, if you're running it throughout the right. game. Okay. So here's the thing again, like the sound effects stuff. I don't run sound effects and music. I do one or the other. I don't do both because it's too many layers of sound. And then even if it's down low, you're shouting over the concept that's sure. coming out of the speakers. So you don't do both at the same time. You're sitting there for eight hours, right? You don't have eight hours worth of music that you can play and they can listen to. It's going to become noise and they're not going to hear it. And so there's no point. The sound, the music has to have a point. Why are you playing the music? If you cannot answer the question, why are you playing the music? Don't play the music. The scene doesn't need it. They're sitting in their bar, which is their secret hideout. Don't tell anybody that. And they're just planning. I mean, we're not talking like, we're going to take down so-and-so and it's hot, intense role-playing. No, I mean, they're just more, we're going to rob a bank. Let's, uh, what do we need for this? Who do we know? What is it? We're planning it. There's no planning music. You know, it's okay. Maybe have the sound effects thing. Maybe right. the clock going, maybe. But just let them role-play and role-play with them. But when they're on the heist and they're on the job, I have heist music, right? I have intensity sort of going music. Now, when I say that I have music, I don't have like the instrumental of Meatloaf or something like stupid like that. I don't have Yo-Yo Ma's solo cello performances, which is an amazing album, by the way. Does it have any Meatloaf covers? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it does, he does an uh, Appalachian Waltz uh, cover. Okay. So, you know, but anyway, so here's the music that I pick, though. Because you're talking about video game music. Dan. Yeah, you're talking about. And how- I think video game music can be a great source for this because it's meant to be played on a loop. Bastion, Torchlight, selected tracks from Witcher. My players, I, I can't even believe I'm about to admit that. It shames me to admit this. My players, no one has played any of these three games. None of my players have played Bastion. None of my players have played Torchlight, which I guess is okay. None of them have played Witcher. That, that last one shames me. It's a crime. It does. It does. It I've never crime. played any of them. Oh, 
which are which are three, which are three, is is unbelievable. Seriously, good. one of the top five games I've ever actually. Played. The soundtrack, the soundtrack I, gets a little annoying. Actually, but. I would say, well, that's why I say selected tracks. There's some that just don't fit at all, like the the battle music. For Witcher, I was like, "Oh man, Witcher battle music! Let's play it." I play it's like, and it's like, well, there's a lot of Eastern European folk music in there because CD Projekt Red is a Polish company. And actually, John, I'm going to disagree with these two guys. If you've not played three of these games and we're only going to play one, play Bastion. Okay, Chad is objectively wrong. I'm not going to play either of them until Gaben makes it cheap. Witcher is a wonderful game, and I'm not saying Bastion is better. Bastion is a work of art. Witcher is the new standard for Western style RPGs. Play the piece of art first, mm. then go into the new standard for Western RPGs. I just finished the new Doom. I am in the market for another game. But but anyway, I do think video games can be a great source for RPG music because they are meant to be non-distracting and played on a loop. So yes. especially if you get them packaged I, that way. I categorize them. Uh, into like a fight, I have intensity, I have planning, even though I said I don't do planning, it's a different kind of planning. Right. Uh, I have daily life. Okay, so the daily life one, I have taken familiar music. Pirates of the Caribbean. You know the music that they play when Jack drunkenly walks comically through the streets? Yeah. That's my daily life one, because the strays are a bunch of essentially drunken land pirates. <laughs> and when they aren't like on the job, they are a bunch of drunken, loudish layabouts, and the music is perfect for that. For their just loudish business that goes out through the day. <laughs> and, da, 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 and it sort of goes through it, and it, it works. All right, I think we're going to wrap this one up here after the last two episodes. People asked us to do something lighter, so there you go. So the only thing people are going to remember from this entire episode was something is something about 5e. Goddamn 5e <laughs> yep. wank. You can't so, even mention it. So... For the 5e game designers, it's, God a, damn it. it's a perfectly good game. <laughs> when you. I release my 24-hour stream, We've Got Tonight, the music Seriously, of Bob Seger. I, I think it, <laughs> the I, D&D I, wank will be totally forgotten. <laughs> I, I have never used music in a game, and I am fascinated by the the theatrics and the immersion yep. of it. I really, I would love to just be an observer and see how it affects the game. Because I, I think it's fascinating. Before we close out, I'm going to just give a couple of pieces of rapid advice if anyone's thinking about doing this. Don't use music for music with words unless it's an intro or an outro. Right. Volume is your friend because you, when intensity goes up, you turn volume up, but turn the volume down. Silence is perfectly acceptable. If you play an eight-hour game, do not do eight hours of sound effects and, and music. And use appropriate sort of music. It's like too. spice or a marital aid. Right. It's not right. all the time. It's, yeah. Technically speaking, when you set it up, it's like, okay, well, I have a computer and I have a laptop. You open up the laptop and you press play. Your laptop, your laptop speakers are sh- I'm telling you that right now. Oh, well, I've got a really nice laptop that I've spent $10,000 on. And your speakers are shit. What I have done is I have actually bought a separate speaker that I plug into my laptop. And you know how Dan was saying earlier, it's like, oh, well, I've got to fiddle with the sound file and I've got to find this. And I've got to find this and I've got to set up the speakers and it's not plugged in right. I have an old ass laptop 
that I don't use anymore, that we game at Pat's house, it stays at Pat's house. The speaker stays at Pat's house. The monitor that they see stays at Pat's house because I don't screw with the cables and stuff. Every time we set up, there's nothing to set up. It's already set up. I press power and I go. See, I'm fascinated by the production of it. I really am. With the OneNote and all the visual effects that you have Mm -hmm. versus the art that you're showing, the monitor that they're looking at, the music in the background, it's fascinating. Have I talked about like the visual imagery I used? Yes, you have. Okay, yeah, I thought I did. And however, for production value, Keith Curtis still takes the cake with his alien puppet. Oh, absolutely. Although I I did use a picture of a guy that they encountered last week, and they said that he had the most punchable face they've ever seen. Really? I would not have been able to describe how punchable this guy is. I might have a few competitors, but all of them would get me in trouble with somebody in the audience. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.